Good morning, good afternoon, how's everyone doing and what's new in adaptive physical education? So this is going to be our second podcast episode on behavior management in adaptive physical education, but really it applies, I think, to all aspects of education for behavior management. So this is a really nice uh, broad one and there's a lot of tangible strategies for this one. So I wanted uh, to, to kind of give an update on some things that were going on. I just got back from Shape America's National Conference in Minneapolis, in the great city of Minneapolis. My first time there was a lot of fun. I got to see a lot of people and talk to a lot of people. And I just, maybe a few updates on Shape and some cool things that I got to see. So uh, one thing is I I ran into Hester Henderson, Dr. Hester Henderson from Utah State University, and I needed to definitely make a uh, a apology on the podcast to her because last episode we talked about the book Positive Behavior Management and Physical Activity Settings with Dr. LaVey, and I mentioned Dr. Ron French because I work with him as well at Texas Women's University, but I forgot to mention Dr. Hester Henderson. So. Dr. Henderson, I apologize, um, and thanks for the reminder. So here's uh, her shout-out right now on the podcast. So as well, um, we I got to be in a SIG meeting uh, for special interest group at Shape America, um, and we're definitely getting our voices heard at, for adaptive physical education um, and a lot of positive uh, movements going on for APE at Shape, and we uh, our website page is going to be available under the membership tab. Uh, so if you want to go in there, I think they're going to have some different dear colleague letters. They're going to have position statements and some other additional resources on Shape America or on Shape America's website uh, under Adaptive Physical Education. So that's really positive um, to hear what's going on with APE with under Shape. Uh, so there's a lot of presentations I get to go to, a lot of people I got to meet and see. Uh, we, and I also presented one with Leah Gowdy and Dr. Davis and Dr. Dillon. We presented on teaching disability sport as its own genre in general, ed PE, or could be an AP as well, but that was kind of our... And I also got to make a guest appearance very quickly on Shape America podcast with Colin Brooks and Matt Pomeroy. It was really nice as well. Got to give a good shout out, so that was awesome, and got to meet a whole bunch of people. So and have really interesting conversations. And before I get going with this episode of what's new in adaptive physical education with this behavior management, I wanted to quickly say that I also run a blog called All Good Education and Special Education, and I had an interesting conversation with somebody. Um, in Washington State about the title of that and what that may mean to some people. And I need to think about it a little bit more, but I don't, I, I think that I'm going to write a blog entry on that, but um, I don't want that title to give the wrong impression because we do need people that are specialized in uh, working with special needs populations. So I think that maybe I need to, to look at that title and think about something along the lines of all good education is differentiated instruction because um, I think that's true, but I don't want to give the impression whatsoever that 
what we do does not take people that are highly specialized with working with different populations of students. Uh, and I think it takes a lot of training and uh, in college training and certificates to prove that someone is competent to work with special needs populations. So I'm going to write a blog in the near future to try to clarify that. But I just wanted to mention that's coming up. And, uh, you know, if there's ever any time I get to meet a lot of people at Shape and, and they give me their opinions on, you know, what's going on on the podcast and what's going on, on the blog. And I really appreciated it. So, you know, this is I want to make this a two way conversation as much as possible. And, I you know, this is meant to be, um, you know, an awareness and, and some professional development podcast. But it's not, you know, this. if you need something that needs to go to an administrator, this needs, you know, we need to make sure that we're getting the right resources. So you want to go to, um, you know, NCPEID's website, uh, the consortium website, and get some position papers. You don't, my podcast and my blog, yes, um, they are, we do have experts on here, but this is not a peer-reviewed blog, and this is not a peer-reviewed uh, podcast. So just know that. Um, but I do hope that this still the podcast has a lot of valuable uh, resources, information for practitioners and helps um, start some conversations as well. So with that, we're going to get back to the podcast on behavior management uh, with Dr. LeVay and uh, T- National Teacher of the Year, Brad Wiener and Celine who is a uh, works as an ASD consultant. So I hope you enjoy it. Um, so let's uh, talk a little bit about there are uh, proactive um, strategies for behavior management and there's reactive strategies for behavior management as well. But, uh, you know, let's talk a little bit about what are the benefits of doing proactive strategies what are some proactive strategies? Sometimes, you know, I had, uh, I worked in a, a behavioral setting where we had a lot of behavior issues. And, you know, we talked a lot about proactive strategies and I, I know that they're important. But when is it necessary? What, what are, you know, wh- what is, when is it necessary to have those reactive strategies and how do we best implement them still, if that makes sense? What you're referring to when you say reactive, I'd like to, um, change it to a consequence-based strategies. Right, um, yeah. Right? Um, it's because yes. when you say consequence, we have the proactive or the antecedent strategies where, you know, one, we set up the environment, we make it, oh, we make sure that the, the environment is structured. We look at the noise level or in the environmental um, settings and um, teaching the skill deficits. And, you know, to teaching the expectations of our students and, re- and establishing reinforcement systems. When you say consequence-based strategies or what you call it, reactive strat- um, strategies, how do we respond, let's say, for example, if the child is um, seeking for attention and he engages in physical aggression, how does the adult respond to that? Does it, are, is that what you're referring to, a reactive strategy? So, okay, so if it's an attention-seeking behavior child engages in physical aggression, do we provide um, verbal reprimand? Do we look at the student? Versus to make sure not not providing any eye contact at all or use visual supports instead of um, verbal prompts when you are redirecting the student. So those are the um, 
examples of consequence-based strategies. And I think consequence-based strategies are important so that, especially if we put it on the plan, so that everyone's going to be on the same page in terms of, you know, um, reacting or providing these consequence-based strategies whenever a student engages in the problem behavior. One of the things I would share, you know, I share with my students, like a lot of times, act, don't react with my university students is that um, think through for a, you know, briefly, what what is your plan? You've gone in there with a proactive plan. Uh, another thing I've seen in the literature by Don Hellison having a solution bank is that you, you sit there and you think about, you reflect on, if this happens, then I'm going to do this. So, for example, uh, Brad was talking earlier, if his students are not listening to him, he's going to stop class. He's not going to talk over them. He's going to give a signal and he's going to redirect them and he's going to have them listen. He's thought that through and that's his, he's acted on that and that's being proactive and having those strategies ready before you even enter the gym. But the reality is, is that the point you're making is sometimes you have children that um, come up with, with behaviors that you haven't really planned for and you have to be ready, and but you have to work together as a team. Here are some of the things we're going to do if we're seeing these real, real challenging behaviors. We're going to try to consistently apply these behaviors. Uh, that's the other piece that I think is important is that you may try. You can't just think that trying something once is going to work. You you have to be consistent. You have to come up with a plan. Everybody's got to be on the same page, and that that can take time. And finding out what works for that child, you know, is challenging. If I with that, if I have um, if I'm you know applying uh, these strategies and they're working for some time which, you know, it could be a novelty thing that, that it's working, you don't know at first, but then they stop, they, they stop working after, you know, whatever, a week or two of doing it. Do I completely right. throw away the strategies I was already using or do I, what, what do I do then? My initial response would be, you know, without looking at the child or whatever, is that, that maybe you need something more powerful. Maybe you need to combine the strategy you're using with another technique and combine a couple of things. If you're, you know, when you look at reinforcers, you're going from like almost least amount of intervention. And so if you're using a prompt or a smile and that worked for a few weeks, now all of a sudden that doesn't, maybe you need to add something a little more powerful. Maybe you need to add a reinforcer that they're working on. Maybe you need to use the premac principle or if then, if you do this, then you are, will get that. And so you have to have a big toolbox and you have to have lots of strategies and you can't think, okay, I use this strategy. I have one strategy and it's going to work for everybody. One size doesn't fit all. And also just because I use this strategy and it worked for three weeks and the child was into Star Wars, you know, for the last three weeks, and maybe that's not reinforcing to him anymore after a month. So that that's you know, what you need to do. And, and it's, that's what's so fascinating about behavior management. There's no cookie cutter approach. It's, it's a science and it's an art. And you constantly have to review and revise your plans. Yeah. And then also right. one thing's really important <clears throat> is that when addressing behaviors of concern, you also have to look at the function of the behavior. Maybe, maybe you're addressing the behavior wrong. If the child is engaging this behavior because he is escaping a demand, then, and then the consequence that you're providing him is to give him a break every time he engages in behavior, then you're, you're just reinforcing the behavior of concern. 
So I think that's an and important point, the, identifying the function of the behavior, then addressing it. I would think that's an area a lot of my university students really struggle with and a lot of teachers is this whole piece of looking at the function of the behavior and looking at the antecedents or the things that you're doing. And if the child, like Selena is saying, is attention-seeking and you're telling him to be quiet all the time and you're just giving him more attention, all you're doing is reinforcing that behavior. So, you know, let's talk about, you know, some of that proactive um, strategies again. And let's talk specifically about where motivation comes into play trying with behavior management strategies. Okay, well, that's a couple of things, you know, like with proactive, I mean, you need to like examine your program and say, what what's important to me? Is it entering and exiting the gym? Is it, um, for example, do I have signals and transitions? How do I, how am I going to work on that? Those are all things. How am I going to organize groups? How am I going to distribute and collect equipment? I mean, these are all proactive things that you can be setting up beforehand. These are the typical routines. Anything that's a routine that you're going to be doing over and over again in your, your gym, then you need to set that up and and have established some type of routine for that and that would be proactive um it, it could be attendance taking it could be a number of, of of things place where people may struggle the most is with that downtime the transition time moving from right. one lesson segment to another lesson segment and i'm not sure that physical educators may always consider how specifically they're going to transition from one area to another or keep the students engaged a student may need some sort of engagement to get from one area of the room to the other or from one lesson segment to the other. Or they may struggle with one lesson segment ending and then how am I going to start something new? So those are some specific things that I can be proactive about in thinking of how I'm going to move through that transition time period. We could spend all kinds of time just talking about transitions because that's something my university students really struggle with when they're at the uh, preliminary stages of learning how to teach. And looking at, you know, just as simple as saying you have 15 seconds when the music starts, you need to be over here in 15 seconds at the next station. And then reinforcing, Scott, I like the way you're over there. You're the first student over there. And so catch students being good rather than, you know, saying, Brad, come on, let's get going here. You need to be going here, ignoring Brad's inappropriate behavior and reinforcing your appropriate behavior for being the first student over there. And you have 15 seconds to get over there. So catch students being good. Positive pinpointing is, is, is important. And students struggle with university students and teachers struggle with transitions and downtime. And then what does 15 seconds mean to Brad? Maybe Brad may need a visual timer to move with the 15 seconds to get over there. But yeah, catching students being good, maintaining that positive environment is, is real important. That's why having music with your lesson and they know that when the music stops, they stop. And then when the music, they have to transition. And then when the music starts, they have to, that's another way, a, a tangible way for them to understand this abstract concept of time. What if, so if I'm in a, a school and, you know, if I'm teaching inclusively or I just see these things, but what, what about bullying in uh, schools and specifically when that happens with our students with disabilities, what do, what do we do 
to avoid those problems. Rather, you know, if it's in our PE class, if I'm doing an inclusive one and, and Billy, um, you know, he has a CP and he's not able to do the same things that everyone else is doing uh, and he starts starting to get picked on, what do I do? Well, for my environment, there are a couple strategies that, that go into place. One, um, that uh, – positive behavior intervention system if a school has a positive behavior intervention system I constantly reinforce that behavior system uh, and then from the very first day I am uh, role modeling role modeling uh, positive behavior and uh, talking about positive behavior integrating uh, positive ways to inter interact with each other and help each other and going back to what was stated before is if a student is demonstrating positive behavior, I am providing that uh, reinforcement, so that feedback. So from the very first day, I am trying to create a positive environment. Is that going to eliminate all the negative behaviors uh, possible? No. Uh, are there able to? Are there students that may come in and uh, start bullying aspects? It's possible, but how I react to that should be in a positive manner. Um, and if a student does something that is uh, misbehaving, what strategies can I uh, implement? And one strategy that I've implemented is from a book, uh, Filling the Bucket, and it talks about uh, if you are positive to somebody else, it puts water in their bucket, and if you're negative to somebody else, are you tipping their bucket? Uh, and so I read the book to them, and then we have these slips of paper where they can fill people's buckets. I saw Johnny doing really well, or uh, Tim helped me out today. And then they put that in, and we go over that at the end of the class. So again, having those strategies and keeping it real positive. Yeah, I would say, you know, just to reinforce a couple of things that Brad said, the first thing is what's going on in your school? Is there a school-wide bullying prevention program? Are they following some type of program? But also, it's, you know, your gym, that's your environment and your attitude and how you act uh, towards all the students in your class is, is, is crucial. And w one of the really big things is one of my expectations would be no put-downs is that we work together, we do cooperative games. Your, your first uh, unit might be on cooperative games and, and working together and sharing and trust and all of those types of things that can help with, with bullying. Uh, it might be difficult throughout the entire school, but that's your environment, that's your gym, and you can set up it in a way where that's not acceptable. I think one of the biggest things that I, I, people need to remember is not to take it personally. It's not a personal attack on me if we're having, if there, if there are, is bullying, and to be able to keep my emotional composure. Because sometimes uh, if something happens, we may lose our emotional composure and that can set off that negative uh, vibe. So, want to keep it positive and um, keep that emotional composure. Act, don't react. I, that's probably the only time that I've ever lost my cool, like legit, is seeing those, you know, bullying types things from some gen ed peers about, and I've, and I have lost my cool on that stuff, which is not okay. Um, 
What about technology? How can we use technology with behavior management strategies? That one of the things that's been really uh, fun to watch is is how a lot of uh, teachers are starting to use tablets and you can have these apps on your tablets and you can set up your rules and your expectations because if you have visual learners, then you can actually do some of these things like you can be real flexible and do them right on the fly. And, and there's some great apps out there that are that are available and, and like iRewards where they could be working on, for example, so many stars uh, is, is a good one. Choice Maker is another one that you could you can basically with Choice Maker in, in a minute, you could do a pre-MAC principle where you take one picture with the child uh, having their hands by their ears says, I'm listening. And if I listen, then I can and you have a picture of someone shooting baskets and you can just download those and you can have that in a, in a minute. So so technology is great and a lot it can help you get organized as well like you got uh, class dojo you got teacher assistant pro and for a lot of teachers especially physical educators they can have their whole class on that the roster on their class dojo or their or their um, teacher assistant pro they can track behaviors with things like uh, tracker pro you know, or just on their smartphone, just looking at the function of a behavior. I think the most important thing is if you're going to use those things, you need to find out, is it acceptable in your school district? And, and what are the um, criteria for do, doing those things? Like, like for example, Class Dojo, is, is that, uh, a po- what's the policy in your school district if you're doing things like that and using technology? And you can send that very quickly an email with the profile to the parents on the kids' behavior. So that's, it's been fun to watch a lot of my university students really, uh, they really embrace, you know, technology. Um, Music helps decrease inappropriate behaviors. Um, Technology does the exact same thing. It is very motivating, and instead of demonstrating inappropriate behavior, they are engaged. If they get to touch and manipulate the technology, uh, they are motivated to engage in whatever you're do, asking for, and oftentimes inappropriate behaviors are decreased. Yeah, because it can be used as a motivator, like they're working for tablet time. They're, they're also, they get to, at the end of class to, you know, you you videotape them teach, uh, they're of them like performing certain skills and they get to watch that. And some kids find that extremely, extremely motivating to, to see themselves on video. Um, so I think for teachers, one thing that they need to consider when using technology, either from low or high tech, is to consider the purpose of the technology. Um, may it be instructional or as a reinforcement tool? Um, a lot of times I see in classrooms, uh, teachers use it only as a reinforcement tool. And um, to the point that iPads, for example, can be, you have to consider if iPads can be um something that disrupts the lesson or the learning of the students. So as teachers, you have to consider the purpose, the primary purpose of using technology in your lessons. Definitely. That's something I haven't really thought about. So, so, and what would be like an appropriate purpose and what would be an inappropriate purpose? Using the iPad as a break um, because the student is disrupting the lesson so I'll give him the iPad break. I'll take him out of the classroom and have him use the iPad. 
that's okay. If the iPad has an educational app, um, the tumbling blocks, he could use that, or the Edmark um, app that he can use on the iPad for five minutes or ten minutes. That's okay. But a lot of times, teachers abuse the the purpose of um, the iPad. So using the iPad as a means to, uh, oh, if I give them the iPad, the student will be quiet. Yes. And uh, kind of pushing them off to the side so that I can instruct these other students. Yes. Um, so let's, you know, we're going to wrap up now. And uh, I want to talk about where we gave out this podcast. We stated that there's a need Especially, you know, you just did one in Maryland. Dr. LeVay's done one. Is it Study, nationwide yeah, teachers? We, yeah, with about 80 uh, adaptive physical education. 90 AP teachers from around the country. It was in Palestra. We have this need, and we're, uh, you know, when I'm giving out a podcast to hopefully help some people out as well, but where do people go, you know, when there are more needs or, you know, that they still haven't had... It's not satisfied yet. They still have more behavior management questions. Where do they go? Well, from, personally, I think that one of the things that teachers should do is be more proactive in the sense that they should go to their administration and seek out in services and say, we want the follow, like we'd like the following in services, rather than the administration telling them what kind of in services they should have. Because a lot of times, physical educators, adaptive physical educators, go to in services that don't really pertain to them. And so they they should uh, request in services. They should attend professional conferences. But there's a lot of great websites, you know, that they can go to. And, um, you know, one of the things that if you look at positive behavior intervention support, that is the only website that is supported by IDEA and by the, the educational government uh for behavior management. So that's a great, great site. But then more specifically to physical education, most people know about, <clears throat> excuse me, know about PE Central, but they don't know there's a whole section on behavior management. You know, um, supportrealteachers.com. This is a, a, a PE site out of CSU Chico. They have a whole section on behavior management that's just, just great. And then we talked earlier about using some of those apps and uh, to help you with it but and then there's a lot of there's a lot of good textbooks out there you know that they could they could go to sure you know and and we've tried to make it applied like our textbook we tried to you know not have it just be theory driven or you know and be accused of being uh in our ivory tower you know we wanted there's a lot of application to it so that's that's what i would share i don't know what what do you feel like brad that those teachers what did they say to you that that they're they need or in the survey they indicated that there was a need um and so they they didn't really state how they were going out and trying to get professional development themselves they just said that there was a need um so this is one way by answering surveys they are then helping themselves because here we are discussing uh behavior management and this will go back to them so if there's a survey that comes through to them filling it out and recognizing that there's importance that they'll get support from it uh, but it goes back to that collaboration and um, understanding that there's a lot of knowledge throughout your building so going to administrators like you said or going to the educational team the special education team 
telling people that you're having some difficulty and then uh, most likely somebody's going to be able to provide you with support, whether it's within your county or uh, a training that you can go to outside of your county uh, are, the, are the places that I would start. Those resources, the internet resources you gave are excellent resources for anybody that's listening to this that they can easily go to those and get some support as well. All right. Well, I think those are great resources. Uh, and some of them I just learned, you know, you just taught me about. So I might have to go. So, um, you know, I'm really happy that everyone was on the show. It was an awesome episode. Uh, it's going to be probably a two-parter because uh, we got a lot of, lot of content on this. This is awesome. All right, everyone. So I really uh, hope you enjoyed the episode on behavior management within physical education or physical activity. I think there was a lot of really great resources. So we're going to have a little smaller one come pretty soon on the history of ADA with Jeffrey Lee, who is a prior guest. And uh, we'll also have a few more episodes coming up. We got one on law. We're going to do one uh, hopefully on camp abilities and we have a bunch of other ones coming up so stay tuned and we'll talk to you soon take care Thank you.